0: Hi. Hi. Hey, i brought you something. Again, two podcasts in a row I've brought you something. (laughs) I know. I've got nothing for you. Um, A copy of this year's Booker
1: Prize winner, Lincoln and the Bardo by George Saunders. I will put that with my other two copies of that book. (laughs) 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 Give it to another deserving friend because I have – I do – hey, do you remember getting this book? Like, I got it sent to me ages ago. Yep. Um, And it arrived. So, like, the book is – It's got quite an interesting cover. This is the soft cover. I don't think it came out in hardcover. Um, It's by George Saunders, hottest writer in the world right now. Um, And it's covered with these testimonials like Jonathan Franzen. He makes the all but impossible look effortless. Zadie Smith. He'll be read long after these times have passed. Thomas Pynchon. An astoundingly tuned voice. How did they find Thomas Pynchon? Isn't he a recluse? Doesn't he, like, live in a, like, dumpster somewhere? So, like, this guy is such a brilliant writer that Thomas Pynchon has come out of retirement to endorse his book. Like, that would be pretty awesome as a writer, wouldn't it? Like, Thomas Pynchon called... Very interested in endorsing your book. <laughs> Who would
0: you, Who's like very reclusive God. that would be awesome to have come out to see? Howard Hughes. Howard
1: Hughes. Is he dead? To, he's probably dead. He's got to be dead. By the way, I'm rereading that book, Hoax, by the way. At the oh, moment, yeah, you which love is, that. I love that book. It's just like this one that I go, it's just so good by Clifford Irving, his account of writing a fake autobiography <laughs> by Howard Hughes and how it all just came just <laughs> gloriously publicly unstuck. He ended well, that sounds up sounds good. Yeah, anyway.
0: So, um, now, so the reason I'm giving that to you is because I'm keen to get it off my hands because I couldn't, I found it impenetrable.
1: (sighs) See, this is the thing. I felt this flash of just guilt and culpability when I heard that um, it had won the Booker Prize because I, I started reading it. I didn't like, I didn't dig the structure and everybody I know thinks it's a work of genius and I'm sure it is. But I think I didn't really try hard enough with it. I didn't really. Anyway, now it's won the man bookers. So I'm going to have to go back and read it again. I also listened to his podcast that he did with Richard Feidler, by the way. Oh, which I is, didn't know that he had. Which, which is really interesting but it still didn't really make me want to read the book. i just like, what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Because this is obviously genius. Well, what's wrong with me also? And, yeah. Because I everything right.
0: you said, I found exactly the same. Yeah. It's sort of, to me, it feels a bit borderline like some sort of old school, like it's
1: poetry-like, it's sort of Greek it's crossover like it's yeah. well, you really selling saying. so the thing that I remember about it is that when it turned up you know how now um, publishers do all these like things to kind of pique your interest with a book like they send out like a press release and like a Ferrari um, with it <laughs> that always exactly. catches my interest um, <laughs> yeah. and this one because um, the front cover is uh, it's got a sort of it's hole an- in it that where you do a peeping into the next um, next cover, I don't know, I've explained that badly, Two but then covers. there's also a design of ivy twining it nice around cover. it. Yeah. Well, when I got my original sort of promotional copy, it had plastic ivy so did mine, wrapped around which it. which was annoying. Which made me so angry, because yeah. I was just like, ah, oh, thank you, more landfill, you know what, it's just a book. Maybe the book could just be book. Well, I know? bet the publisher who sent us the free copies of this
0: book's really happy with that investment.
1: <laughs> I, totally, right? I mean, they could have had it, you know, arrive in the g-string of a dancing girl and probably still would have paid off but like i just think it's so weird that this sort of book promo stuff like you get little sort of you know novelties and things and you think mate my view is if you need a novelty to make me be interested in this book it tells me that the book isn't very interesting so i reckon to be honest that my um kind of slight disinclination about this book is totally tied back to the fact that it arrived covered in plastic leaves.
0: And I just wonder as well,
1: would... And also, by the way, I am never going to complain about the fact that people send me books. It's probably because of this podcast and, like, being in the media. That is, a like, with Daylight Second, the greatest thing about my job is that sometimes people send me books.
0: Well, I was actually going to raise this and say, is it... Would it be better if publishers simply emailed people to say, hey, these are the books we've got coming out this month, bang, 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 bang? Which, which copies, which
1: of those books would be of interest to you to look at for your program or your podcast or whatever? Well, the only thing that I would say about this, and I, again, just like to note that this is an incredibly privileged and lovely position to be in because, really, like it is my lifelong dream to have this happen. So, yeah, have one of these crackers about with caviar on like, them. Yeah. <laughs> enough caviar sales. I'm sick of caviar. Smash. Damn it. Why does the world suck so much? Um, it, it, I actually – I do like – I have actually picked up books because they've been sent to me that I would not choose off the shelf and they've been awesome. So, like, yeah. that is a pretty great um, uh, thing, you know, too. And I think if I was left to self-select, then I would probably only select books that I think I'm interested in and I'd never be surprised. Hey, speaking of um, what I would self-select that was
0: sent to me and, mm. and it is awesome – um, there's two new collections of Helen Garner's work that have come out and the design is so no beautiful. No way, really? I didn't yeah. know that. One's fiction and one's non-fiction. It's just collected works. And the, the design of them is identical but one covers red and one covers blue Ooh. and it's very sparse, Just an amazingly beautiful Beautiful. designed cover. I'll I'll put um, a photo of them up. They're just absolutely gorgeous. And I should probably, because we never do it, plug. You can visit our website, www.chat10looks3.com. You can find us on Facebook. Um, Although someone has to invite you, don't they, to be in the group in Facebook? Um, I
1: think you You can apply. You can can apply. Yeah. And really... We've got we're a label. We're not Loba. really knocking anybody, out. <laughs> unless you. <laughs> Hi, unless my your name names. is a murderer. <laughs> sure, come on in, eh?
0: <laughs> Um And on the on that page, there's all sorts of useful resources, including um, dates and links to live shows that we're doing around the
1: country. I think there's there's no tickets there for Canberra. Sorry. The sold out, sorry. But there's still some tickets left in Adelaide. There are, Adelaide. On the 9th of February. That's right. Come and watch me taunt sales (laughs) about being from (laughs) Queensland. And then later in the year, I have to go to Queensland. I loved –
0: yeah, that's right. We're going to be – the tickets aren't on sale yet, but Brisbane in May, Perth in September – orange in late makes so we wanted to do a regional show to yeah. show you regional chatters that we care uh, that's all that's oh, the Enmore. on. Hobart. the, the end more in sydney in june and yep. the tickets are on sale for that so if you had a good time at this show in sydney in that we just did come to the end more june show i love <laughs> how you-, you did some publicity in adelaide where i wish i had it here to read aloud but you said something like um You know, sales. I'm really looking forward to bringing sales over to Adelaide because she's from Queensland, so she's not used to things like the finer
1: things in life, like um, wine that comes in bottles, and people who wear covered footwear in restaurants. (laughs) (laughs) You're such a bitch.
0: (laughs) You're such an asshole. Oh, speaking of assholes. Oh yeah. I watched assholes at night. Our Our souls at night. (laughs) The film version of that. Which
1: so this is this book that sales is crazy bibliotherapist hold me while oh, i cry it's a little person. Is not crazy.
0: No. Okay. <laughs> so uh, she book- said,
1: uh, why don't you read this book about this elderly couple who starts sleeping together for company? And
0: i really liked the book. It's by Kent Hariff and a film version came out with Jane Fonda and Robert Redford, which i had some issues with because they're the, the type that
1: would each be old and alone. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, i had a few problems with it. I know you're supposed to suspend disbelief with, you know, make believe worlds, but there's no small town in America that has two people as good-looking as Jane Fonda yeah. and Robert Redford in it.
1: And like you're Robert Redford living in a retirement community and you're not just covered with naked pensioners <laughs> <laughs> 24-7. Like, Can you imagine if Robert Redford were, like, moved into your elderly kind of village accommodation (laughs) and just be like totally and if two people as good looking as
0: Robert Redford and Jane Fonda did live in the same small town for the past 10 years they would not have been able to leave the
1: house without somebody saying to them you
0: know who (laughs) you should go out with (laughs) Jane Fonda
1: (laughs) Anyway, but The it, other we, problem that the film has, encu- has encountered is that they've held on to the book's title, Our Souls at Night, which in a written form is lovely and tender and kind of evocative of this spiritual connection that they uh, share, but the American producers of the film uh, worked out as soon as they released it in the UK that over there people pronounce it Our Souls at Night, which is what's <laughs> happening here too. So uh, Our Souls at Night... Is the name of this film now? There's <laughs> just like <laughs> been this huge backlash with people just going, which is not supposed to be the response that you have to this tender and it's touching com- film. It's not a comedy, all right? Oh, man. Someone um, just want to say that I said that first. You did. Oh, we do- I was just like, mate, you can't say souls at night. You
0: were the first person to demonstrate the sense of humour of a 14-year-old boy. <laughs> Somebody's actually written an article about this now, I think, about yep. the phenomenon of being called – remember
1: who said it first. <laughs>
0: Uh, what have
1: you been doing? Oh, um, heaps of heaps of nothing. I've been doing um, – because I'm on leave from the ABC, so I am just pottering around doing, like, school canteen duty and doing awesome. lots of cooking. I made the smuggest bunt of my career <laughs> wow. uh, a couple of days ago. Um, I'm working on recipes for a new cookbook, so um, it is just, like, the definition of fun, like, just hanging around, hanging out with kids, um, making food. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. But the smug bunt – oh, Lord, it worked a treat. What was it? So I made a brioche sort of dough, Mm -hmm. um, so like a yeasted sweet um, dough and I rolled it out into a um, rectangle and then I spread it with um, dried apricots, which I had soaked in apricot nectar with a bit of rose water. Mm. So it becomes like a really chunky jam. Spread that over. And then I made pistachio marzipan. Listeners, yes, I did. Okay, so there is – I like – The international marzipan scam is almost as bad as the, like, cartridge toner for printers scam, I reckon. Because, like, it's really expensive to buy. Right. And the supermarket marzipan is not great either. So if you want to buy really top-shelf marzipan, you are Mm. really paying out for it. It's really easy to make. Oh. So all it is. Yeah, what is it? So you just get, uh, like, blanched almonds and icing sugar, like whizz it into a powder, and then add an egg white. It that's all it is. I bet you Brenda can do that in her Thermomix. Yeah, but bet she can. In that cult that she's in. Yeah. She's <laughs> know about that cult. She's in two cults. She ours. is. Ours and Thermomix. yeah. Um, the thing I will say in defence of Thermomix is that it does make really, really good stock. So if you, know, like, don't spend the $3,000, just make friends with somebody who has a Thermomix. Oh. In my life that's Gwen. And every now and again she just brings me a jar of what she calls baby poo and it is the Thermomix um, – paste stock so it just takes like you've put a carrot i don't know a number of carrots a number of you know s- celery sticks and some garlic and onion and whatever and the thermomix sort of weirdly zhuzhes it and then cooks it down so it's a paste and then it's the greatest vegetable stock ever like it's re- and it's there's about a kilo of salt in it too but so what do you
0: what do you if it's a paste then what do you do put water in it just add water or something
1: well like. so if you've got a pan of like i now if i cook pasta i'll right. put a tablespoon of this um, stock in and it just improves the taste of everything you know rather than cooking pasta in just salted water you cook it in stock and you know bingo or if you're making Mm. like minestrone or something instead of like you just Put, so instead of putting in like vegetable stock you put water and a teaspoon of this stuff. Isn't yeah. Correct. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's oh. really good. Anyway, okay. so uh make friends now with Brenda. <laughs> um for the baby poo supply. Um where were we? Oh yeah, i I'm, I'm just going to dismount from my smug bunt um, Yeah, so story. so we got so so I've so, the so, I've marzipan, put, yeah. so there's a, a rectangle of brioche dough rolled out and then there's um apricot the apricot. Thing. And so I've made um pistachio marzipan which is just 150 grams of pistachio kernels, 150 grams of icing sugar, and then like, this is awkward, but about half an egg white, um, zzz in the food processor, and it's suddenly it's this sort of stiff dough, very pliable, wow, very workable because it's like really thick icing basically. Because mm. if you think about it, it's just like royal yeah. icing, yeah, but with. Um, nutmeal in it and it's this beautiful green colour. So like rolled it out very thinly to a rectangle the same shape as the um, – mm-hmm dough lay that over the top then roll it all up Mm. so it's a sausage and then Mm. you kind of slice the sausage along its you know length length. so you split it almost to the end leave the end a bit joined so it's like a pair of jeans yeah and then kind of twist it around into a a ring (sighs) and then so you've got like bits of apricot peeping out and bits of marzipan Yum. Yeah, it was actually it bullet, worked it, it worked out really well. And then I made uh, – I just sort of brushed it with some apricot jam so it was all nice and yum. shiny. Yum, and did it
0: taste beautiful? Uh,
1: yeah, it did actually. Yum. It that tasted really good. Awesome. I can give you a bit to take home with you if you want. Is it going to make it into the recipe book? With a bullet, ma'am. Yeah, it's there. Very good. Uh, but also, what else have I been doing? Um, oh, I've been to see lots of things. Last yeah. night I went to see the Wharf Review. Oh, yeah. Which is – I've been running for about – I don't know, nearly 20 years now in Sydney. So the Sydney Theatre Company, once a year. Like, it's like their run-up to Christmas. They put on The Wharf Review, um, which is written by um, Jonathan Biggins, Drew Forsyth and Phil Scott. Um, and each of them is like massively talented but in a different way. Um, Biggins is an absurdly good mimic. So he can do – his Keating is just (laughs) extraordinary Um, and um, they've all got great voices. Drew Forsyth has got this incredible bass voice and um, Phil Scott is – Incredible on piano. Brilliant. He used to have that show, Three Men and a Baby Grand. He's amazing. Anyway, he's amazing. They're all – and then – and they usually have a collaborator most years. um, And this year it's Blazy Best, who's like a great um, Sydney actress, who turns out to just have this amazing voice. Mm. And she does, you know, Julie Bishop and Michaelia Cash, you know. And (laughs) Anyway, it's – there are some just – just scream with laughter moments. It's really, it's very funny if you like political satire. And they are so professional that it's really polished. Oh. And um, and they, but the, the funniest idea I reckon in the show, because it's like a series of sketches, it's it's really fun night out because it's, you know, it, it moves really fast and they are all such great performers that you never get this sort of like, oh, this isn't really working kind of thing. And, um, but... Because they are all doing quick change, they have like a big video screen where they have like a few kind of little video sketches just to sort of get them enough space to Mm. get their, you know, Julie Bishop outfits on and whatever. And um, (laughs) there's this little series that they do a couple of over the course of the show called... um, press briefings from history and the first one is um, biggins dressed up as Louis the sixteenth and he's like he's just like doing a press briefing to the to the French press and what you don't realize for the first thirty seconds but then becomes really clear is that he's doing it in the style of trump oh, so it's like
0: classic
1: you know I have so many castles they have such beautiful some some people say is the finest castles in the world I have you know incredible <laughs> so many rooms you know I have so many guys I am like the top french guy you know <laughs> <laughs> and he's doing it in this great accent oh, and he looks great. hilarious but it's all about being like trump and Classic. trump's kind of patterns of braggadocio and kind of ultra ultra you know self-assuredness come through the next one is vlad the impaler oh, <laughs> like doing God. that it's so funny oh, that's and that's then great. elizabeth the first you know it's it's God, it's such a simple but brilliant concept and they've executed it perfectly. But um, the other thing that I'll say is that Biggins' Trump is just so good. Wow. So good. I, he's amazing and he scrambles into the outfit really quickly but he's, Biggins is a great um, physical comic, you know, right. and uh, it's it's one of the best trumps I've seen. Speaking of good mimics,
0: um, I'm a gigantic fan of a uh, guy who's a cabaret performer, um, Sydney-based, called Trevor Ashley. My friend George and I always go to every show that he does and he, he'll often do tribute shows to people. So he did um, Liza Minnelli a few years ago. Um, he does sometimes musicals, like he had one which was sort of Annie, it was a yep. take-off of Annie, um, which he originally called, because his name's Trevor, it was Tranny, but then, <laughs> there was some issue and they had to change it to little orphan trashly (laughs) um but he just finished a barbara streisand tribute show um it was absolutely fantastic and just watching him like the degree of difficulty of her songs is so high um but he did it absolutely fantastically but he shared this anecdote that george and i are amazed by which is barbara streisand has a sister named rosalind kind really yeah who is imagine being babs's sister like all your life, you'd be like. Yeah. Well, wait for this. Also, a singer. No. Yeah. And so, and Trevor ta- has talked about
1: being I think in New York. She should just be in property. Or oh, something. God, You're just
0: like... be a kindy teacher or something. <laughs> um, Trevor talked about going to see her at a club in New York, and he said it was like going to see the best Barbara, in- Barbara Streisand impersonator you'd ever seen in your life. He said she looked exactly like her, and even down to the fingernails. You know, Babs has you know the yeah. sort of classically you know the sort of fingernails that sort of, yeah, you like, have claws. Yeah, you have
1: to, like, hold a mic like you're wearing another mitt. She's just, yeah. just like, oh, I'm just a, more of a more of a peg than a person, actually. <laughs>
0: so it was – he said it was uncanny. So, of course, George and I immediately beetled home and um, Googled uh, Rosalind Kind and – it was freakish, but even – so I just went down in the most ridiculous YouTube rabbit hole. But So then I found a show that where Barbara actually sang with her sister Rosalind no! in Las Vegas. Yeah. Oh, God, it was so awkward because Barbara said something like, you know, finally the opportunity you've always wanted. It was, it was awful. But then it, the song opens with Barbara's just sitting down and she's wearing this cape-like thing. She's sitting down as if on a throne, but Rosalind has to stand. Oh, so no! It was like everything about it was just –
1: Absolutely diabolical. What's the bit? There's another sister that's just been locked in the basement for oh. you know, and can sing like a bird. Oh man! But <laughs> I, I want to go. Hears her.
0: It was interesting listening to Rosalind Kind because she definitely did sound and look a lot like Barbara Streisand. If you hadn't heard Barbara Streisand sing, you would have thought Rosalind Kind was a really great singer. But it's just oh, like
1: God, that's crushing. Say so, <laughs> that. God, it, was that just, I just
0: feel- it was just like about it was about the sixty percent Streisand. It wasn't quite there. So, but yeah, it was it was. Oh, God, unsettling. I'm
1: actually feeling a bit sweaty and uncomfortable. <laughs> it was. Let's that is what I was like. But I really terrible.
0: want to. I want to see Rosalind kind now. I thought it was amazing. Uh you reading anything? I'm not reading yet? anything because I'm doing a really bad thing, which is I've allowed some TV watching on my iPad to replace my book reading oh, in the evening because right. I've been binge watching a show called Billions.
1: and oh, um, right. Now, I'm sure you've told me this before, but I've let it wash over my head because I'm just like, not interested in sales. <laughs> I'm absolutely loving it. I don't right. think it probably would be
0: your bag. It is... Paul Giamatti and that unattractive redheaded guy from Homeland that <laughs> I'm one of the few people to find unattractive. Lots of other people find him attractive. Right. Uh, what okay. is his name? His name is Damian Lewis. So it means nothing to me. Damien Lewis. They are it's set in New York. Giamatti is the state's attorney. Um, Damien Damian Lewis is a businessman, somebody axe rod called Axe, who's a venture capitalist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no, go on. <laughs>
0: And Giamatti believes Axe is corrupt and is trying to bring him down. Mm -hmm. complicating matters is that Giamatti's wife is a psychologist who's on staff with Axelrod and her job is basically to get the traders into the frame of mind so they're whipped up and they can make money. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I appreciate on paper that sounds sort of not that exciting, but it's it's awesome. uh,
1: Just to recap, it's uh, (laughs) (laughs) Star's a guy you're not really that into and it's about property deals.
0: Yeah, but Paul Giamatti, I think, is a god. Right, I think he's okay. the most amazing actor. And Damien Lewis, I mean, he's good. But the thing that's tricky is I said to my friend who put me onto it, am I meant to be rooting for Giamatti here? Because they're both, you know, Axelrod probably is corrupt. Giamatti is one of these people, he's like a zealot for the truth and for the for rightness, yep. but he'll pretty much do anything. You know, He's got no sort of like, oh, you've accidentally implicated your parents in this shonky deal. I feel sorry for them. No they're implicated, they're gone. So what? he's he's quite an unsympathetic character in some ways, whereas Axelrod actually is a quite sympathetic character. So it's this interesting blurring of who's the goody and who's the baddie. Oh, okay. um, but the dynamic with the wife, I absolutely love because she is the sort of in-house psych in Axelrod's finance company. She's very close to him. And so they have this unique, he's almost like it's not codependency because she's not dependent on him, but he's very dependent on her. Right. But she they're not in love or anything, or that's obvious at this point. He seems quite in love with his wife. Um, and But Gia is very jealous and possessive of the relationship that right. the wife has with the redheaded guy. So, yeah, there's lots of different layers in it. Everyone's acting is fantastic. The scripting's really tight. And oh, okay. there was a great scene at the end of, Season one, where you know how sometimes we have those series where there's two great characters and then the climax is that they sort of meet and they have their big engagement. Yeah. And so there's this climactic scene where it's maybe 10 or 15 minutes of them having this exchange. Oh, and it was I love that. just, they were both just. At the absolute top of their game, and you felt just like setting up a storm. They were, <laughs> you fe- and you felt like I-, I thought it was the best I'd ever seen Damien Lewis. And I just thought I can't help but think that's because you're getting to bounce
1: off Paul Giamatti. Oh, you're just not going to give him an inch, are you, this guy? <laughs> <laughs> What's he ever done to you? Did you like Sideways? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen it for a long time,
0: but I remember thinking, I-, I just it's always stuck with me the scene where he busts the Pinot Noir or the Merlot, yeah. or whatever it is, oh. in the in the McDonald's or wherever he is at the end.
1: Yeah. What reminded you of that? Because Portia and Maddie's the lead. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah so I haven't what, been reading. I've just been. Have you been reading? Uh, yeah, I have. I've been. Um, I'm reading a book called The Choke at the moment. Oh, yeah. Sophie Laguna. Yeah. Um, really liking it. Yeah. It's um, – I'm in this really weird uh, f- pattern at the moment. I don't know how I got in it, but every book that I read is about um, – it's told from the perspective of, of a child. Oh. And like – in that kind of atonement style, where you know it's the child is now an adult, but like sort of telling the story um, through their memory of being a child. Oh which is, yeah, okay. I mean, it's a hard thing to pull off, um, but some people do it really well. McEwen is amazing writing, you know, through mm. the eyes of a child. And Atonement's a really good example of that, um, and some of his more kind of dark, disturbing work like The Cement Garden and uh, are really good examples of that. Um, and I sort of am in this sort of – every book that I read is, is like that. And the choke is about this uh, – told from the perspective of this girl who um, grows up in um, country Australia and uh, her, she's been brought up by her grandfather because her dad is like this mysterious truck driver who comes and goes and she's got two stepbrothers, her mother – abandon her um, when she was little. So it's like this sort of hard scrabble existence with her two brothers and fights with the neighbours. And anyway, it's all going somewhere and I haven't got there yet. Um, But um, you know that I read The Strays while I was away, um, which is also that sort of um, a bit of awakening sexuality and all that sort of thing. Um, But I read this book that actually is uh, along those lines as well called Demigods, Mm. which I think... Uh, really just tips over the edge into s- just silly. It's um, by Eliza Robertson. It's an American book it, and it's it's um, plugged as a debut no- novel for fans of Emma Klein's The Girls, which is me. Oh, yeah. I, did, I really liked The Girls. Right. But this is like what's happened with this book is it's really savage, right? It's really um, there's some real like kind of, violence in it and the story is about this girl whose mum kind of remarries and the the new husband's son is this quite disturbed boy with whom she has some sort of weird codependency and he ends up just doing dreadful things to her and over the mm. course of the book as she gets older you know periodically he re- reappears and is just like a real jerk to her and does like really like torturing her and like it's just by the end of it I was just so cross because I think – and I also – I blame that a little life a little bit for this where there is this thing now where people put just wanton violence into their novels mm. and it becomes like an art form to think of like terrible things that people can do to oh, each other. Gross. And it's like the – the um, it's so graphic, you know, and I think I kind of blame that book a bit for this boundary being pushed. Is that mm. fair? Probably yeah. not. Well, but, Well – as you know, I have sort of strong views about that sort I of, know. That's yeah. why I raise it. I feel yeah, like well, I get a sympathetic be, here.
0: Yeah, you've got a sympathetic audience here. I just think – does it advance
1: the plot? Like, is it necessary? Yeah, I, I just mean... – it really um, – I ended up putting this book down because I was just like, ah, oh. you know, like, they're really – I mean, the writing is fine. It's just – I just don't understand. It seems to me that some of the violence and graphic – Um, Content is there for its own sake, you know, and Mm. I think that that's not, there's no, I couldn't really understand like what the idea was about why this woman was still continue to be drawn to this guy, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, anyway. yeah, maybe fits with what we were talking about last episode about that woman um, in Dirty John and, you know, why people are attracted to people that from the outside you go, that's mystery to me. Yeah.
1: Um. But, I mean, you know, there are redeeming features or there are kind of emotional reasons why you're, you know, drawn back. There's really none of that in this book at all. Anyway, mm. I don't know. It made me think of this thing that I always, um, you know, whenever when somebody writes a big sort of original or incredibly successful like smash hit novel mm you know, that's great, Um, then the worst thing about it is knowing that there'll be this whole kind of, you know, flock of things that are in the tradition of that book that uh, kind of don't work as well well or whatever. like me the other week criticizing ozark
0: um tv <laughs> series and saying it was like um some tv producers said i need a breaking bad somebody get me another breaking bad and so it's just like a poor man's breaking bad yeah. you know with good people in it it's fine but it's just like yeah okay i see what we're trying to do here yeah. it's the regular suburban guy with the seedy underbelly life with the drug dealers blah blah, 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 blah. i've seen it done seen it done better
1: you know i wonder if dickens had this problem <laughs> oh you wouldn't know would you <laughs> <laughs> Not caring about Dickens. Uh, well, I'm um, happy to note that our time's nearly up. Oh, is it? Yes. Uh, just, um, I've got other lots of other things to talk about because, you know, I've been going and doing different things. Oh, hey, I went to, back to the White Rabbit. Oh, yeah, that we went for our TV show. Yes. Yeah, which is this um, great little gallery in Chippendale in Sydney. Um, so if you come to Sydney, definitely drop in. It's one of these – It like it's set up by this – kind of fabulous art philanthropists basically who um it's free to get in Mm -hmm. um and um it contains the proprietor's kind of collection of Chinese art but then there's like really great exhibitions they turn them over pretty quickly and the one that's there at the moment as as ever is like a collection of different Chinese artists and um there are a couple of really impressive things and because it's like um they're quite ambitious in the artworks that they load into that gallery. It's a very kind of tall, thin one, but they give over a whole floor to something quite extraordinary. And the, what the extraordinary one on the third floor at the moment is that some some artist has built out of bondage equipment, like whips and corsets and you know, whatever's dildos and things. And so it's all made out of black leather and studs, and it's it is like it's like it's they've built a temple, and it's like it's <laughs> it's. Six metres long by to- three metres by – and it's got, like, all these, uh, like, minarets topped with dildos and, like – it's less rude than it sounds. Like, you know, I, I took my four-year-old daughter along and she was like – I'm just like <laughs> – Oh, you might this, The mean, like, it, it's, not, it's not sexy. It's just, like, black leather. It's Imagine- like a castle. It's like a, a, a temple made of black leather. It's just like it, – it's so – and it's sort of suspended on these ropes. It's huge. It takes up the whole room. But you, Imagine you look going at it and you do- just think – Oh, my God. I'm about
0: to go to the tool shed
1: and going, look, um, I need
0: 35
1: dildos. Do you have, like, a discount for bulk? <laughs> yeah, you. Exactly. Okay, yeah. I, oh, I had my mother with me. who's like, oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> but anyway, it's just it's incredible, A, the sort of scope of the vision and the fact that you would actually follow through on this, I, I assume, late-night drunk idea. You know? <laughs> I love that you consider a I...
0: wonderful family arting for three generations of your family I, I to go to a giant wrong. temple made of I didn't know that there was a giant
1: dildo temple there, right? But it was like – it. It was more about the temple than the, you know, bondage by the time they finished with it. But the other thing that was there was so beautiful and weirdly moving and uh, the act of describing it is going to probably flatten most of the appeal, I accept that. <laughs> but it's a darkened room and it um, it's completely dark and then the floor is painted like a high, high gloss black. Right. So you can see reflections, right? right. and. The, ex- the um, artwork is about a dozen fluorescent tubes, a light. They're just white fluorescent mm-hmm. tubes um, and they've got a cable on each end so mm-hmm. they're suspended like a trapeze swing, right? Right. But they're on some sort of like computer program that changes the position of the fluorescent tubes. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they're all rising and falling together, and sometimes um, independent oh, of that each sounds other. Beautiful. It is so beautiful. And there is this lovely classical music playing, and the um, movement of the fluorescent tubes is attuned to the music. So oh, that sounds you great. sit there and you let it wash over you, the music's beautiful, and the lyrical movement of these seemingly invisibly suspended. Light sources is just, I have found it really moving. Oh, and that sounds great. I don't want to go straight. It and kind of it. reminds you of um, the bows of violins because you see them oh. moving and tilting, and then sometimes they become like all of a sudden they're like a stairway. They're going up in stages and then they completely reorganize God, themselves. People come up with something I know. Incredible stuff, it's just they? the sort of thing that you, and yet it's entirely
0: engaging. What about – did you see – I just – I saw nothing except I saw the video. I don't know who made it, where it's from, who the performers are. It was a spiral staircase with a trampoline in the middle. Did you see this? And it's three men who are walking up the staircase and then they jump onto the trampoline and then jump back onto the staircase. And they're sort of in like some sort of sequence. It's – and the staircase is moving. It's like revolving. Oh, my God. It's quite –
1: mesmerizing when you're
0: watching it um and again the degree of difficulty of just the you know like juggling it's almost like a human form of juggling or something people come
1: up with after a few beers
0: it was just it was like it just reminded me of what you described because it was like well this just seems so weird and yet i'm just like completely transfixed by watching the motion of it over and over again right i gotta get out of here i
1: got places to go i got people to see all right thanks for the book take it with you when you go (laughs) just
0: bin it (laughs)